Hey, Real Nerds listeners. There's many ways you can interact with the Real Nerds podcast. You can email us at realnerds at gmail.com. You can hit us on Twitter at Real Nerds. You want to check us on Facebook? You can. Just look for Real Nerds Podcast. You want to leave us a voicemail? Just call 720-6NERDS5. You want to listen to our episodes? You can check us out on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Jonathan Tiersten from The Perfect House and Sleepaway Camp, and you are listening to The Real Nerds Podcast. This is Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast at Denver Pop Culture Con 2021. I am Ryan. With me is Corinne and Brad, still on Zoom. And one day, one day soon, we won't be on Zoom. I'm guessing for Film Explosion 2010. <laughs> um, Which, yeah. We're, that's we're, fast approaching. Uh, I need some lists from y'all. Yeah, no, I know. I'm, I'm kind of uh, watching movies right now. Because I, I actually think 2010 is a pretty good year, so I've been um, going back and rewatching and reordering, and ah, it's just it's hard work watching movies. So when in October are we doing it? I don't know. I mean, we were gonna wait because Wonder Woman was supposed to open this week, but um, now that's not happening. Did everything get pushed again? So there's like no Black Widow. So, there's no James Bond. Yes. Uh, James Bond is still supposed to come out. <laughs> but Black Widow is now in May. So like it was supposed to be last year. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's May 7th, I think. Um, so basically everything is moved out of October. And right now the only, the next big movie is... James Bond, which I believe is the 20th of November. Well, hopefully. Yeah, we'll see. I'm not holding my breath on that one. Nope, either am I. It sucks. I, you know, I today Kellen was at school and Laura went to work. So I was just going to say, I was just going to go to the movies, maybe see even like an old movie or something in the theaters. And now because movie theaters aren't busy because they're not putting out any new movies, um, the, uh, they, they don't start until like 6 o'clock at night. And there's only maybe three showings of each movie. Yeah. Which isn't surprising either. Yeah, great news all the way around. Brad, but you uh, just did another 40-hour film. I did. Now, why don't you tell us about that? Gosh, uh, really, really tough to do. Um, I mean... Perspective wise, it's not the toughest thing to do in a pandemic, but um, it's just like the, all the extra work you have to do to, you know, tiptoe around precautions and, you know, finding people willing to do it. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, it was already tough. And this year, despite, you know, planning ahead and wanting to scale back, it, it was still quite challenging to make a quality short film in 48 hours. And I I think we did okay. It's not 
the best thing we've done, but um, considering the limitations, I think we did all right. Uh, when, uh, sorry, uh, what did you uh, what did you make? So uh, we drew our genre this year was film noir. Uh, we had a choice between that or chi- time travel. We'd done t- time travel years ago, so we immediately chose film noir. Um, and the three requirements were a nurse, uh, some reading glasses, and the line of dialogue was like, uh, I can't keep my eyes open or something. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, we did a five-minute film noir about a actress who is really jealous of her co-star and things do not go well with that relationship and the name of the film is oh spotlight (laughs) nice because uh she uh craves the spotlight and doesn't want anyone else to have it your uh, poster is a little uh tongue-in-cheek because it looks like it's a happy-go-lucky movie (laughs) i mean inside that character is very happy-go-lucky, but what she's willing to do to get there, not admirable. Hmm. So, can't say too much because uh, the screenings are virtual. So, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm not entirely sure when that's going to happen. The uh, 48's still kind of figuring that out. But uh, it, yeah, it doesn't still... sound like it'd be easy to do, honestly. Yeah, especially because the voting aspect... Uh, like right, like they have a platform they want to use. They just have to figure out how to set it up. But mm. it is complicated when you want people to vote. Uh, you know, the the draw of the normal forty eight is that you can go screen it in a theater mm. and invite all your friends to come down and then vote for you. And then the forty eight, you know, money goes to the rental, and then money goes to the forty eight. But now since it's online, everyone everyone can huddle around one computer hypothetically right to watch it um and then how do you keep people from like re-voting online like sending (laughs) in multiple ballots i don't know so it's it's stuff like that or you know and our our producer is doing this from albuquerque um not even from denver so huh why is that uh because (laughs) the new producer that they got for this year didn't work out Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, I, I knew the answer. I was going to see how uh, politically correct you're going to be about it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's such a weird, stupid thing. Um, th- that person resigned, so it's, it was their choice. Um, but what yeah, it? It, it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll go with that. Uh, I think they just kind of overreacted um, to their own incompetence. I guess. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, so the 48 kind of didn't have a great backup plan. So they, they invited the guy from last year to redo it. So despite him being in a different city, so, well, I guess since you guys are able to pull it off, I guess it was somewhat of a success, right? Yeah. Uh, the, it's always a success when you cross the finish line on time. So, and it was, boy, was it a weekend of surprise uh, roadblocks. I locked my keys in the office we were oh, working no. at, and luckily the building manager was happened to be on site at the time, so we resolved that pretty quickly. But then I locked my keys in my car the next day. What? Uh, after we after we'd finished 
90 percent of the shooting and then uh all my gear was in the car so anything we had to do on sunday was now in jeopardy and it took two hours to resolve that so we lost two hours of work and sleep that i could have had um and we didn't have a sound designer this year so our audio you know is really limited and not great um and our editor decided that or didn't decide, but just surprises that he was not going to show for the weekend. He had to work. So I I ended up having to edit the thing. So extra work. And on Sunday, I'm I'm just trying to get this thing in. And I think I have a ton of time left. I'm just falling asleep in the chair as I'm editing audio, uh, trying to get it done. And they didn't, with all the preparations that Chad did well, um, and, and maybe he did, prepares for this but normally you do the wrap-up form and you run all the paperwork downtown like physically mm-hmm. this is everything is virtual uh and they have like an on, like a ongoing submission thing so you, you submit all your paperwork ahead of time if you want but there's like a secondary sub- finalization form that i wasn't prepared for so I've already got like 10 minutes to get this film in. And then I find out you can't get the submission for the film unless you finish the form. So I'm just like scrambling, typing as fast as I can, try to fill out this form so I can get the link so I can upload the film. And I was like, I can't believe yeah. we're, we might still lose because I didn't know this thing. You know what I want, Brad? Huh? I want one year at the 40 hour film festival where you're not scrambling to turn the film in on time. That seems every year you have a story about how you just make it. <laughs> I was I was so cocky. I thought we were gonna have like four hours to go, and we were doing great. Like I turned in the the rough cut so early that the music guy was gonna have so much time to do a pass on it. And next thing I know, you know, this the littlest details are just <laughs> sucking up time. And I was like, God, it's already two o'clock already. Ah, oh, it's four o'clock already. Uh, yeah. Well, glad you made it. Yeah. Looking forward to watching it. Keeping the streak alive. Uh, yeah, I'll let you know when you can actually watch it. We're probably going to do a bunch of sound uh, re- revisions before you get to see it. So cool. It just it just needs it to be fully appreciated. It's so bad right now. <laughs> it's not our, our thing. Now, Brad, I'm curious, did you, and it might be a a genre question, but did you write the pandemic into the script? Like, were your characters wearing masks in the setting? No. uh, One of our, one of the big things we all agreed on this year is we're going to avoid any kind of stories that uh, referenced what was going on, just because it, it we didn't want it to feel not, we didn't want it to not feel timeless. Um, I like that decision. And, you know, since everyone else in the crew is wearing masks, the actors can get away with not wearing it, you know, and we're all distanced. So. Right. I'm just curious because I talked about this in my most recent article for the Real Nerds website. So I was just wondering how it would look on like a really micro level with like a 48 hour film project. Like, did you, as the creator of this short film, decide to write the pandemic into the story to make it easier for yourself? We just, uh, we figured that it would be just, we figured everyone else would probably do that. 
they would write like a story that references, you know, makes fun of masks or, um, you know, uh, references COVID or something. And we just, you know, we didn't want to do the same thing everyone else was going to do. We just thought it was hacky. And do you know whether they did? Nope. I haven't seen any of the films. uh, I thought you might have like talked to some of your counterparts about it. Not yet. I, I, I've asked people like what genre they did. And I, on, on Monday, you don't usually see a ton of promotion from people. Uh, the fact that I have my poster done already is just like a real fluke. Um, so I, I, as the week goes on, I'll find out more. But pretty much if you have time to like talk about your film over the weekend on social media, it's like, I don't know, I feel like you're, you're not utilizing your time the, the best way. Like even if it's like five minutes of just like, hey, we're doing this. What are you guys up to? Like it's, yeah, everyone's working too fast to keep everyone apprised of what's going on. And then most of the posts yesterday were just like, hey, we finished it and I'm going to bed. We'll talk, <laughs> we'll talk about this later. So gotcha. Uh, definitely seeing everyone else also having small teams this year. I think we, we had seven on ours and all the photos and wrap up stuff I've seen people did, had like five or six people, you know, teams that usually have 12 or 15 being like, you know, this is what we have to work with this this year, and that's how it is. You know, keep up the good work, Brad. Yeah, congratulations <laughs> on completing yep. the project. Yeah, I'm glad we just got to, you know, do it again at all, you know. Every week on Real Nerds Podcast, not only do we make movies sometimes, but we see new movies sometimes during a pandemic. I was reading an article that it's over 200 days into the pandemic since the United States shut down. That's crazy, right? Wild. Uh, it, it's crazy to like look at our website and see, you know, 20 to 18, 20 weeks of just yep. not regular episodes. And yep. 52 weeks in a year like yeah that's mm-hmm. and that's not including the film explosions yeah it's going to be very very weird um but we uh there is other avenues to watch films uh this week we took one of those avenues we went to netflix boulevard and we streamed enola holmes so stay tuned to the end of the episode we'll tell you if you should see the film <laughs> i guess stream the film i guess or, see the same thing. or homes alone yeah <laughs> yeah you watch it in reverse oh hey i like what you're doing um we also talk about films we watch throughout the week movies that are coming out on blu-ray movie news we welcome zach to the program and we're gonna Hello. go go around town with brad hey film buddies follow me around denver brad is anything happening around town a couple things. Uh, welcome back, Zach. You missed my uh, entire description of my my weekend. Oh, that's cool. We we both kind of had similar weekends or week long excursions. So. Oh really? You stayed for forty eight hours making a mediocre film? <laughs> nope i i made a uh, I made a movie and then went right back to work, which is one of the reasons I was late right now. So, but yeah, no, we both made a movies. So. Uh, so the drive-ins are still open, uh, at the Holiday Twin in Fort Collins. You can see Tenant and the New Mutants on screen one still. And on screen two, they've got Rocky Horror Picture Show and Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And what else? I think that, 
Once done, yeah. September 27th. That's already passed. And then the uh, 88 drive-in has Goosebumps, Christine, and Resident Evil Extinction. That's a weird fucking lineup. It is. I like the the, the, it's a Halloween the horror. Stuff. Yeah, I haven't seen Christine, so I'm gonna definitely have to check that out. Mm-hmm. Okay. What it's a strange fun. pick for a drive-in. <laughs> right, right. Pick for a drive-in, actually. <laughs> Just look out for crazy Cadillacs while you're there. Um, your car might kill you. <laughs> you know, there is a little bit of this. Might I don't know if Zach has us in news, but Halloween and Halloween four and five are coming to drive-ins. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I don't know if it's coming to Colorado. I know Halloween is playing at the Rialto Theater on Halloween in Loveland. But I'd rather see the uh, drive-in lineup of all three of them. I think the drive-in would be fun because there's abilities to see uh, Halloween in a theater, but a drive-in would mm-hmm. be a little special. Um, but if it came down to it, I might go up to do the Rialto because that sounds like fun. Right on. Either way, I'd like to watch Halloween on Halloween if possible. But yeah, no, I'm, it, that was going to be on my news, but all these drive-in announcements seem to have been for places not related to us, so I didn't see our listing on there. So Fuckers. Yeah, that's fine. We're, we're just, we only have like three different drive-ins. It's not like we're, you know, <laughs> lacking any. We, sh- we should definitely get a copy. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, why I got you guys here too, you know, this movie stuff is sucks, but... Um, I got a couple board games that I want to play with people. Nice. So um, I got uh, Batman, the animated series, Rogues Gallery, Ooh. Um, Sinister Ooh, Six, yeah, um, and Jaws. So a bunch of comic book horror movie things. I also got Horrify that I've played with my wife, and that's with the Universal Monsters. <laughs> but I want to do like a, a game board night, I think would be fun. I'm down. Can you also yeah. get that Back to the Future game at Target? Um, sure. How much is it? <laughs> I don't know. 40 bucks. That's not bad. Some of them, like I, I got the Batman one. It was 30% off at Barnes and Noble, but it's normally like $60. So wow. Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I was talking, my older brother plays a lot of board games with his kids. When I told him that, uh, like the horrified one was, I think 50. Um, when I told him that I said, man, that's an expensive game. It's really fun. And like the, the cards are really cool and the art's really great in it. He said, I pay $120 for some board games. Oh, I have no God. idea. Yeah. So, you know. Like, I can imagine, like, the, you know, the really niche D&D style sure. board games. Um, but, like, anything at Barnes & Noble or Target, oh, my God, 160 bucks. Yep. Like a piece made out of gold. <laughs> I guess you can, like, a lot of them come with... Um, the little miniatures you can paint now so mm-hmm. you can make them your own. But I don't know if I would ever paint them because I don't want them to look worse. <laughs> Just leave them untainted. <laughs> yeah, right. Untainted and unpainted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Taint. <laughs> hey, movie news happened this week. Let's unspool the real news. It's real news. All right, I'm going to start with something that Ryan posted on our own page. Um, it would appear that uh, the, the, in, during the making of 21 Bridges, it seems that Chadwick Boseman uh, contributed a portion of his salary from the film 
to her, uh, to Sienna Miller, who co-starred with her in it, so that she could have equal pay. Um, and um, it, so, again, Wakanda Forever, Chadwick Boseman sets the standard for equal pay in Hollywood. And how how many times have we heard of different stories of people just getting underpaid, like, ridiculous sums? Like, and isn't it... I think the shitty thing is, is the person who shouldn't have a say in how much, I mean, don't misconstrue what I'm saying, who shouldn't have a say in how much someone makes is the one who made it equal pay, not the people that have all the money. Mm-hmm. It's the guy who's saying, hey, this woman is sharing equal billing with me. She should get as much money as I do. I know. It's, 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 pretty- it's, it's, it's insane to me. It's yeah, a, it's and, basically like it's great that he did it, but he shouldn't have to have done it. Exactly, yeah. because here's the thing. I think was that movie probably forty, fifty million dollars, something around there, probably. Yeah, and they and she wasn't going to do it because she was a new mom and wanted to like you know the, if you read the article, she said, "Yeah, I'll come out and do this picture, but you know it should be worth my time if I'm going to take you know a couple months away from seeing my kids." And mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, and she she should be paid equal. I cannot believe we live in a society like this where someone, an actor has to take money out of his salary to make her salary equal. When the people that have the most money don't do that. It's, it says a lot about no matter how progressive Hollywood wants to be sometimes still how ass backwards they are. There's still a lot that needs to be done. And I know that I think 21 bridges, isn't that one of the Russo brothers like outside of Marvel productions? Yep. Yeah, so they, I mean, I'd like to hear them comment on it personally. Yep. Well, clearly they stand up for it because Chadwick Boseman had to do it and not the producers. Exactly. Yeah. It's shitty. Yeah, it's kind of shitty, man. It's very shitty. Moving on, so, though. I mean, I mean, who who controls uh, actor salaries? Do the producers set that? Or is it the studios that say this is how much you can spend on each actor? Either producers or EPs or something. I, I You know, I've, since I've never been that far up the ladder, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Right into it might depend on the studio and the uh, project. Yeah. Well, because my guess is is a studio gives a uh, the budget, and then the producer's job is to budget each aspect of the film. No, well, it, the, the producers will deliver a budget, and then the studio will you know either accept it or reject it. Yeah, that's what I mean. But then, who assigns how much everything costs? Is it the producers? I guess it would depend on if you're dealing with A-listers like Bozeman and I would, I would consider Miller one too, cause she has a name, but um, again, I'm not sure of the specifics. I, I would have to imagine the studio has more responsibility behind it than even the Russos, but it's not like the Russos shouldn't, shouldn't be advocating for that to begin with. Cause yeah. they should. Just, but. just curious right into real nerds podcast um, at gmail.com and let me know how, money is distributed I think and who makes the, the decision producers because they would just here's all the line items and what they cost and then yeah. uh the uh the studio would just be like oh sienna miller only wants this much okay she's not the black panther so that makes sense um hmm. so i i think it might be the russos that were just like you know overlooking her her worth you know like hmm. who knows maybe if someone said something they might have been like oh yeah you're right yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know either. We'll have to we'll have to stay tuned to see if anybody responds to those things. But um, <coughs> moving on, 
Um, looks like, speaking of the Russo brothers producing things, their movie Cherry, which has Tom Holland in it, um, has been scooped up by Apple. Um, and in other news, Orange has scooped up Lemon. No. Uh, this movie will come out um, on the Apple streaming service, um, which between this, the Will Smith movie they're doing, and then the Sofia Coppola movie, like I'm kind of kind of interested in signing up for the series. I think the only, or, or the service, I think the only thing that would actually get me is if Martin Scorsese's film actually does end up getting made there. But, um, but this is close. Cause I, I was curious about this movie. So. Um, well, you know, if you need to upgrade your iPhone at some point, you'll get it for free for a year. Like I did. And I have watched nothing on it. I definitely need to do that because I'm lacking in, every sense of the word in regards to high tech. So I need to upgrade as best as I can. Well, keep an eye out. The new ones are coming out soon. You can do like I did. Um, I got the lavender iPhone 11 that was like on, I don't know if it's on clearance, but uh, T-Mobile wasn't going to carry them anymore. Mm-hmm. So they gave me like a really sweet deal on it. Mm. And that's when the iPhone 11 pro X fuck bullshit came out. I don't even know what the names <laughs> of them are. <laughs> Well, then I'll have to go into Verizon and check it out. Yeah. Anyway, though, moving on. Hey, guys, do you remember Borat? Borat was yeah. a thing in 2000. Unfortunately. No, not not unfortunately, Corinne. No, don't don't yes. be. No, it's not unfortunate. Borat was fine. So, anyway, Corinne, why don't you like Borat? Because it's funny. No, because everyone was super <laughs> annoying when they were quoting it all the time. What? Oh, so it's really not a problem with Borat. You just don't like people. I mean, it was just overhyped. It was one of those things where people quoted it all the time, and then by the time you sit down and watch it, it's like, this is it? This isn't that good. So when Corinne was watching it, she says, this isn't nice. Anyway, Zach, you're at news? (laughs) Hey, Ryan. Yeah. Uh, uh, Tell us uh, what Laura did today. My wife. My wife. (laughs) (laughs) How else can we annoy Corinne today? Oh, let me count the ways. My wife. Um, (laughs) um, Well, it turns out that even making a movie like Borat, he was able to somehow make a second one. And there's going to be a Borat 2. And the title has just been revealed. And I love this title. I think it's great. Borat, gift of pornographic monkey to Vice Premier Mikhail Pence to make benefit recently diminished nation of Kazakhstan. (laughs) This sounds like fun. It's Um, like the Harley Quinn thing all over again. Well, they did this for the first Borat, which is um, uh, cultural learnings of America for make benefit glorious nation of Kazakhstan. So this isn't this isn't something going off of Harley Quinn. They've done this before because that's the actual title of the movie. In fact, when they were nominated for either a Golden Globe or an Oscar for this movie, because there was nominations for it, they had to say the whole title out loud. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it looks like we're getting it. Yeah, we're getting another one though. I'm excited to see what it'll be fun. Yeah, I like when Sasha Baron Cohen gets like people to be stupid because they don't recognize him. Mm -hmm. But it seems so weird because Borat was so big that he was able to get away with it. I guess just time has passed enough that nobody would really remember it. I'm sure that's what it is. And you know, someone like Michael Pence isn't watching Borat. Well, no, he's he's too busy being boring, drinking a glass of milk. I mean, you know, what and trying to take away um, women's r- and gay rights. I mean, that's, that, that that's a tough job. Yeah, you know, you know, it's, it's tough being a misogynist, but also boring while you drink milk. You hey, know? you didn't know you're coming here for political stuff. Hey, oh, uh, hey, pol- 
That's my political humor. Um, no. Um, anyway, moving on, though. Uh, let's talk about Marvel, guys. Marvel's going to be developing a Nick Fury series for Disney+. Plus. So it looks like I'm going to have to watch Disney+, Plus because I want some Nick Fury in my life. And the title of the show is Nick Motherfucking Fury. So oh, be ready God. for it. Disney wouldn't dare because they're too unballsy. But damn it, I'd love for them to do that. Um, Nick motherfucking Fury. <laughs> well, it can't because it's on Disney Plus and they don't put anything above a PG-13 on Disney Plus. So Yeah. Maybe they'll make an exception for this. <laughs> now, is Sam Jackson going to be in it? Or are they going to try to do like an origin, like Adventures of Young Nick Fury kind of thing? I'm glad you asked that, Corinne. Sam Jackson is returning to reprise his role from Marvel movies in a new Nick Fury TV series for Disney. Variety broke this news that a Nick Fury show is in the works and that Jackson will be returning to Don the character. The plot, uh, the plot details of the show are kept under wraps, but it will mark Jackson's first regular television role. So yeah, lots of fun coming down, our, down the pipeline of Marvel. Um, I'll move on to another streaming service. Uh, Peacock might get my attention for like mm-hmm. a week because they're going to have every season of SNL coming to Peacock in October. Now, <laughs> the reason why I want to subscribe to Peacock <laughs> um, for this specific reason is because there's ep- episodes of SNL from the 90s that I can't access unless they do something like this. So I'm probably going to give it a shot and see how it works. Have you got the SNL app? No. You should. It's awesome. All you have to do is you type in, I don't know, an actor or a skit name mm-hmm. and it won't give you all of them, but it'll give you a lot. I mean, you type in, I don't know, let's say Adam Sandler, it'll have probably three, 400 skits with him in it. It's a really great mm-hmm. app and it's totally free. So I recommend everybody getting the SNL app because then you can cut through all this stupid shit that's on SNL and watch what you like. There's, there's a specific sketch that I want. And I believe it was when John Travolta was the host back in 94, 95, and it's Quentin Tarantino's Welcome Back, Cotter. And they basically do Welcome Back, Cotter if Quentin Tarantino directed it. And I remember it being very funny, but I've never been able to find it since the one time I've seen it. Um, I do like the episode that Tarantino hosts, though, because he does a sketch where he's playing a railroad uh, crafts person who encourages people to kill hobos. And it's really funny. Um, but uh, anyway, so that's SNL's on Peacock. You can check that out if you'd like. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Say cock one more time. <laughs> moving, moving on from cocks to cats. Um, uh, Avatar two production is complete, and Avatar three production is almost finished too. Oh, cool! No one cares. Yeah. In, in other news, put up or shut up. Show me the movie, otherwise it didn't happen. Isn't that weird? Like he's been talking about him so long that I don't even. He's got so much money he can afford to talk as much as he wants. That's 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 what he's earned. <laughs> um, but. Uh, I'll move on to some sadder news. Um, Regal Cinema's parent company, Cineworld, uh, is reporting a loss of $1.6 billion with no certainty in the future. Um, this has been occurring over the last six months, obviously due to the COVID pandemic. Ryan has talked extensively about how this affects, uh, how the, what, what could be done to change this, or at least to, uh, you know, try to boost it. Um, but with the report that tenants only made about 40 million, it seems like theaters are going to be struggling for a bit, at least until maybe wonder woman. I don't know. Um, it seems like there is or a James Bond. Yeah. James Bond's in November. Yeah. James Bond could do it. It's funny. Cause there was a, there was an article about 
Sorkin's new film, The Trial of the Chicago 7, and the reason why Paramount ended up shifting it over to Netflix was because their assumption was that the first round of people to want to go back to the movie theaters would be the conspiracy theorists who don't believe COVID's an actual thing. And I think that's a, you know, it's a cautious take from Paramount, but it's also seems a little wrongheaded to assume that only those kind of people would want to go back to the theater. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously like we, we had our own, we had, we had our own things to reckon with when we went back, but we've all like, you know, obviously everybody's different, but like, you know, I, I did it to test the waters more than anything else. And I know you guys were eager to go back, but I, I don't think anybody here was denying COVID when we decided to go. So no, you're not, you don't deny it, but if you're not a dipshit when you go and wear a mask and be safe, then that's, that's, that's what I'm saying. So it's, but I find it interesting that that was Paramount's thinking because it's not, it's not unfair, but like, it's also kind of like, really? But also again, it's a Aaron Sorkin drama movie. I don't know if that's going to necessarily pull in the numbers for people to come into the movie theater. I like, like I said, I've been saying it's because you had one movie come out. You don't have them saying why it's safe. You don't, you're not stacking the movies to get them to continue to go. Now mm-hmm. you're, now you're stuck. Yeah. Now, you, now you've made a bed and you got to lie in it. Yep. Well, I mean, anyway, we'll figure it out eventually. Um, and that's news, unless I missed anything. No, I don't think so. All right, cool. Movies come out every week on Blu-ray and Ultra HD and sometimes DVD. What's coming out? Hmm. DVD releases and Blu-rays. Ryan, do you recall the year 2002 when life was simple? There was no covid and the movie Ghost Ship was the biggest release of the year. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, you can now relive those fond memories of Ghost Ship by getting Ghost Ship, the collector's edition on Scream Factory. Oh, which I kinda, coming to me. Oh, dude, I, I kind of want it. I, I need to get that and uh, 13 Ghosts. Um, and then moving on to something I'll love. The Criterion Collection is putting out The Elephant Man from 1980, David Lynch film. This is the one that I think James will like. Um, but I'm definitely going to be picking that up. Um, and then let's move along to a steelbook edition of the Evil Dead 1 and 2 4K releases. They're going to be packaged together. Um, since it's Lionsgate, I believe, it doesn't seem like there's going to be any special features whatsoever other than what's already on there. So I don't think that's true because um, I'm on Best Buy and I can't even like pre-order link it. It just says, says coming soon. Really? Yeah, I think the date's mm-hmm. wrong. Blu-ray.com says uh, says that it's coming out to, uh, tomorrow. So maybe Blu-ray.com is wrong. They're liars. Okay. Some, I've noticed uh, lately in movie releases, uh, steelbooks, sometimes they get pushed. Uh, Incredible Hulk was supposed to come out in May, and it just came out. Gotcha. So, Brad, Brad, tell me if this is in your uh, listings for Best Buy. There's a, uh, a, a Mad Max Fury Road 4K Ultra HD steelbook. It um, is. That, yeah, okay. Yeah, you but can pick it up. But. It's only for shipping, which is like I'm not gonna order I'm not gonna ship a steel book so it can arrive dented. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah. they need to put that in the store. Yeah. I'll tell you what they might get get out of me, uh, in terms of any kind of order, is the Halloween four K Blu ray, uh from nineteen this nineteen seventy eight version. Lionsgate's putting it out and it's got a nice steel book of Michael on the front and Lori on the back. And you can check that out if you guys want to get your Halloween fix on. <clears throat> um, we'll move on to 
uh, some Severn release. How about Cruel Jaws? Anybody heard of Cruel Jaws? I've never heard of it, but I want to see this because the name Cruel Jaws sounds terrifying. The box art is stupid and awesome at the same time. I know, right? Is that behind? Is it in front of a sun, or is that supposed to be a spotlight? Or I don't know what I it is. I think it's the sun, Ryan. That's awesome. <laughs> no, it's an it's a total eclipse, and that's why the shark is going crazy. Or Ryan, or it's a halo, and he's actually a good shark. <laughs> I, I think cool jaws, like a like a shark that has sunglasses on or something. <laughs> no, that'd be amazing though. It's cruel, as in C R Cruella Deville. Remove the Ella, and you got cruel jaws. Um, and then also I within cool the, jaws. <laughs> Within that, there's also a three-movie collection of Jaws 2, 3, and The Revenge um, from Universal being reissued if you want to catch up on your Jaws to make way for Cruel Jaws. Um, there's so a Fisherman's Yule- on his boat at sea, and Cool Jaws just strolls up like, hey, what's up, Daddy-o? <laughs> no, cool Jaws is uh, King Shark from, <laughs> from the Harley Quinn show. I would see a movie of him being just like attacking people on ships <laughs> with Ron Funches still doing the voice. Oh no, our fishing net is stuck. What do we do? Cruel Jaws comes up and just hits it like Fonzie hits the record machine. Hey, thanks. Now we can fish hey. again. Thanks, cool. Yeah, thanks, Cool Jaws. <laughs> um, so let's see. Uh, Star Girl. Um, the does complete cr- first season. Sorry, does, does Cool Jaws also jump the shark? <laughs> oh, in Soviet Russia, cool, cool Shark jump you. Um, the complete first season of Stargirl is something I'm not uh, familiar with, but it's apparently a DC thing, and you can pick it up on Blu-ray if you so wish. Uh, there is a Kino Lorber release of Five Graves to Cairo from 1943, um, with featuring Anne Baxter, Akeem Tamiroff, and Eric von Stroheim uh, of Sunset Boulevard fame. Uh, it, it, he did more things, but people know him for that. Um, and then they're also putting out a movie called Love Me Tonight with Maurice Chevalier and Jeanette McDonald. So if you want to check out some Maurice Chevalier, there's your chance. Uh, and then Warner Archive is putting out Genesis 2 and Planet Earth, um, two sci-fi films back-to-back. You want to check those out, you can. Um, and then let's see. It seems like that's all I'm seeing, unless I've missed something entirely. Now, can I uh, can I give a shout out? And um, it's kind of movie news, and it's also Blu-ray news. Um, yeah, you, I, I know what you're going to say. I, I should have realized this. Yeah. Um, Wolfman got Nards mm-hmm. as the documentary is coming out on Blu-ray. Um, you can pre-order it on Amazon, and it comes out in October. And I think it's a on-demand one. So make sure you pre-order it and support these uh, guys. They were on our show and they were awesome. Um, Andre Gower plays um, Sean in the Monster Squad, and he made a really great documentary. And uh, I, I'm hoping that he was able to put all the extended interviews on the Blu-ray because he talked about it on our show, and he has something like one terabyte of more interviews to put on um, out. So now, hopefully, uh, it made it on there somehow some way that is awesome i cannot wait to see it yep mine is pre-ordered and it's only 12.99 so that's cheap am i the only one who hasn't seen it at this point because i think i know you saw it ryan but brad did you go to the alamo one uh no i had to cancel that screening so i've not seen it um not only 
not only did I see it, Zach, um, I saw it with um, his sister. I sat in the VIP section at Denver Pop Culture Con. Um, that, that is true. Can you also I tell did. me about the time you hugged James Marsters? Oh, yeah. So I don't know if you guys know who this guy is. So James Marsters <sighs> played Spike on um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Did you hear that? And <laughs> so he, you know, Spike was a bad guy, and then he died, and he came back, and he had a soul, and he became a good guy. And him and Buffy started this relationship. Uh-huh. Anywho, uh-huh. Um, he, he's a very attractive man. But at Denver Comic Con, the very first one, this is when it was Denver Comic Con, I was doing his panel. And I walked in the back green room and I said, hey, Mr. Marsters, I'm Ryan. I'm your moderator. Is there anything you don't want to talk about? And he looked up from his phone. Like, he was Spike from you know, Buffy pissed off. And I said, Oh man, I already made this guy mad. And then he, in the nicest voice, he said, no man, I'm good. Um, yeah, let's go out there and we'll talk. And, um, it was awesome. And we went on stage and I introduced him as the man, the myth, the legend. And he came out and was like, what an introduction. And he hugged me, dude, he is the best smelling man I have ever smelt in my life. Here we are 10 years later. And I remember how he smelled. Oh my gosh, if you love James Marster so much, why don't you just marry him, Ryan? Maybe, Maybe I will. And then we'll have kids and we'll name them Spike and Buffy. I don't know. <laughs> is, Laura, I, is Laura going to be the... Never mind. Because <laughs> uh, I, I don't remember ever telling my James Marster story, so I wanted to make sure that I told that story. Jay, uh, Brad, have I ever told you my James Marster story? Uh, you know what? I, I'm not sure I've heard it at all. Even... Uh, you just talking right now. Can you, can you fill, fill me in? Yeah. So there I was bright eye and bushy tailed. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we also watch movies throughout the week at a segment. I call what we've been watching. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Corinne, what fucking British shows and animes have you watched this week? <laughs> Um, actually, I don't think I watched any British shows or animes this week, so you're what? in luck. Oh, yeah. but if you tell me you rewatched The Blacklist, I'm ending this fucking podcast right I now. I did not rewatch <laughs> The Blacklist, Ryan. All Chill right. out. Chill out. Okay. Right. Um, I did watch Sleepless in Seattle for catching the classics, so the next time I'm not on the show, I will send that to you so you can all play my Catching the Classics segment. Uh-huh. I haven't done one of those in forever. That's I also, I well, you'll hear what I think about it some mm-hmm. other time. Um, I also rewatched Ever After, and it's still a great movie. Which one's know. that? With is that the Drew Barrymore one? Yes. Oh yeah, it's great. More like Never After. Yeah, my wife loves that movie, and she forced me to watch it ten years ago. I'll never watch it again. What? It's really good. I don't know why you wouldn't. Yeah. Really it's good? One of the best yeah. Cinderella adaptations out there. False. I think it's one James has tried to get me to watch before and <laughs> I haven't done it yet. It's on Disney Plus, so I recommend everyone check it out. Well, Mandalorian is the first priority on Disney Plus when I get to it. <laughs> yes, but that Ever After that. could be number two. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Mandalorian and then Ever After. <laughs> Um, and then I've also been rewatching Parks and Rec because I saw it was going to fall off of Netflix 
and I rewatched like parts of season six and then season seven and then it like disappeared off of my Netflix queue and I was like oh no I don't want to have to like go find it again but then I realized oh wait it's on Amazon Prime so then I started rewatching season three and four on Amazon Prime so it's yeah. all good and I mean I, I have them on DVD so I'm good yeah 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 Just can't, 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 right. can't take that away from me well, I have a good place on Blu-ray, so nice. I have something at least. Yeah, they, so they can't take it away from you. You don't have to watch Peacock with commercials to watch Good Place. If they were racist or something, I'll forever have it on physical media. Nice. And then I also had a movie night with my boyfriend because he had never seen Casablanca. Yeah, so and you're a liar. Dump him. Dump him now. Well, we watched it, and he liked it. Surprise, surprise. Yep. That's right. Everybody. Hey, I, just want to, I just want to point out, too, to Real Nerds listeners, that <sighs> Corinne's a liar. Sounds more like no, he tolerated it. Yeah, you are. You said you needed help to pick the movie. The movie that was picked was not the movie you watched. So let me finish. Let me finish, Corinne. Let me finish. Brad, mute Corinne. At, on it. You put out a poll and said, we need to watch a movie. And the movie that won, you're like, meh, fuck this. You just totally trumped the movie uh, that the people wanted to watch. Just saying. Well, you know who has a, has a more important input on the decision is the people who are watching the movie. And my boyfriend was like, hey, you said that Casablanca is a movie I need to see, so I imagine we're going to watch Casablanca. And I was like, okay, I guess we're going to watch Casablanca. But the whole... And then, rig- and then the second part of that is, I mean, I put this poll up, and they all said you should watch Spider-Verse because it's incredible. But fuck them. Well, that will be maybe the next go-around. I don't know. We've got a lot of movies to watch because he has seen nothing corinne while i enjoy the 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 rules and participations of legitimate elections i'm also glad that you watched casablanca Uh, uh, also uh corinne also posted that she talked during the movie which is a big real nerds no-no corinne were you saying the lines out loud or were you mouthing them both mostly mouthing them but there were a few that i had to just just have it Oh my gosh! I'm gonna if we ever watch a movie that you really love, you know, we're gonna go to the Alamo and you're gonna sit next to me. I'm gonna ask for like a screen so I don't have to hear or see you (laughs) mouth the parts because if you do, then I'm gonna put up an order card that's saying this lady next to me won't shut the fuck up. She's mouthing racist slurs. (laughs) You need to remove her. Yeah. I don't think that movie so, has any racist slurs in it. No, because no, like we're it framing happen. you. <laughs> yeah, we're totally. Framing. Don't you know how we roll? First of all, Ryan, that might not be a problem because movie theaters might not be open for a while. Ooh. Ouch! <sighs> Knock on wood. I mean, oof, the way it's going right now is not not great. But don't anyway, worry. The eighteen thousand fans can go to football games, but you know, let's make sure we keep movie theaters. Uh, may, yes, unless of course they're putting South, unless they're putting South Park cutouts. Yeah, that was brilliant. <laughs> it was brilliant. Well, the best part of it is um, Comedy Central and South Park creators match the donation of one hundred eighty thousand dollars for the cardboard cutouts that the Denver Broncos also match. So they 
raised uh, $360,000 for charity. So that's awesome. Good on them. Well, Ryan totally interrupted my story. Yeah, because because the whole first thing that happened. Okay, so his roommates were out of town. So he's like, we're going to watch it over here. But he doesn't have a TV. So I'm like, well, I'll just bring my TV and my Blu-ray player and my movie. And we'll just watch it at your house. And so I did. And then as I'm putting in the Blu-ray, because of course I own Casablanca on Blu-ray, not DVD, Ryan, don't get triggered. Darn right you do. (laughs) I put it in and it goes to the menu and I was like, oh crap, I forgot to bring the remote. And the only buttons on the Blu-ray player are in and out and on and off. So there's no way to do it like on the player itself. Or like I like to call date night, giggity, 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 goo. Um, okay, so we tried to find some Ryan, other alternatives. In and out and off and on. <sighs> so it pleased me, Ryan. Seth MacFarlane, like, co-sponsoring this episode? What the <laughs> So we tried to figure out alternatives, and we ended up just streaming on his laptop Toy Story 2, which is a great movie, although that's not the best viewing experience but whatever and it's not casablanca (laughs) and it's not casablanca wait corinne so your boyfriend and none of his roommates have a tv oh my god i fucking die well i mean i don't know if his roommates do but if they do it's in their rooms and it's not like we can use it so they don't have one in like their living room area are you saying corinne that there are others out there who don't watch movies every day oh i know I this, know, guys. This Ryan, is, it's Ryan, rough. I'm scared. Hold me. <laughs> I mean, Sending I you virtual you... hugs. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I've told you guys before, like, he hasn't seen, like, Indiana Jones. He hasn't Fuck. seen, like, anything. I mean, I guess he's seen, like, some... Di- like, he likes the Toy Story movies. He likes okay. Despicable Me. He okay. likes Die Hard. He likes the Harry Potter movies. So, he owned Uncle Buck, by the way. We were trying to put that in the Blu-ray player. <laughs> And I was like, I haven't even seen this movie. And he's like, wow, a movie I own that you've never seen? And I'm like, yeah, this is only going to happen once. I'm not going to lie. Uncle Buck is a great one-up to have on somebody. It is. It's a fun movie. Like, guess what I got? <laughs> Uncle Buck. So, anyways, Toy Story 2 is great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It was fun revisiting it. And I haven't seen the other two Toy Stories in a while. Because, of course, I don't count number four. So I might have Wait, to rewatch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shut up, Ryan. We're not getting into that whole diatribe here. Wait, why don't you count number four? Because, because it's so I great, you don't want to watch it? Because it's unnecessary. It's unnecessary. Toy Story 3 was the perfect ending. I don't need any more story after that. All I mean, well. I, I disagree. I think perfect it's a great ending. ending. I think it's a great ending for Woody in Toy Story 4. Don't care. Don't need it. Have you seen it? Nope, because it doesn't exist. Oh, my God. Corinne, you know, this is the one thing you do have to change is you have to open up your mind to movies you haven't seen because yeah. Toys, because Toy Story 4 is a great ending for Woody. Well, Brad, Brad, chime in here. How great is Toy Story 4? Oh, it's so great. Yeah, and the, and the Woody story is amazing. The animation is incredible. Yeah, that, great whole, movie. that whole rain scene at the beginning. Oh, dude. It's, the, the animation has come along so far. Just, yeah. Corinne, I was skeptical like you, but then I saw the movie and I was like, okay, this wasn't completely unnecessary. In fact, Woody's story is wrapped up nicely because they addressed the fact that Woody doesn't have to take care of these other toys anymore. 
they kind of address like why has he been taking care of these toys at all <laughs> exactly <laughs> it is fucking amazing but that but that being said like i, I remember being like corinne when i when i saw the announcement i'm like wait a minute i thought we wrapped this up <laughs> or corinne claims she's a disney fan but not really Hmm. And let's be honest. Well, first ten of all, years from a now, Pixar movie, Ryan. Thank you very much. Yeah, Pixar is owned by Disney. Thank you very yeah, much. I know, but it's a completely different studio with its own agenda. Uh, false. Sometimes false. <laughs> they are dictated by Disney. Yeah, when the now money's flowing just fine, when it's not. Pixar made Mulan. Anyway, you know who agrees with me is my boyfriend, and maybe that's one. <laughs> it's like, okay, you haven't has, seen Has Casablanca. he seen Toy Story 4? Then you... No. You, you, Only you guys don't have to. Yeah, you guys don't have a dog in this fight. Until you see this movie, nope. you, can't, you can't judge it. Uh, well, I'm just not going to see it then. Problem solved. Such compromised integrity. Yeah, wow. Anyway, I'm going to have to rewatch Toy Story 1 and Toy Story 3 because... And 4. No. <laughs> I can't rewatch something I haven't seen, Ryan, and I'm not going to. But I don't anyway. understand why you're dying on this sword, Corinne. That's a weird thing to like die on. Like because I Toy refuse Story to see. Was Toy the Story perfect 4. ending. I don't need any more. That was it. That was it. This, this right. is not. This is not to take sides in either argument. But Ryan, she's she's falling on the sword of Forky. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking bullshit. Plastic oh, fork. Forky is amazing. Oh God, Corinne, you don't even know. He has an extent. You're never to. I'm never going to mention Toy Story four again because you have. It's unbelievable. I cannot. I, I guess for uh, Corinne, life ends at middle age. So yeah. I mean, no, no more stories I if guess. you're old. Old people Remember, don't have stories. Corinne, one of our mottos at Real Nerds too is we don't judge a movie until we see it. So you don't even know. I'm not judging don't... it because I'm not even acknowledging its existence. I just you are you are judging it. You you are judging it by saying stuff like that. Mm, whatever i do what i want i mm. do what i want corinne yeah. is the negative Na- nelly of real nerds podcast fine uh, i'll take that title i don't care no, oh wow just keep it up <laughs> I, I got the, I have the solution i know exactly what we need to do corinne will watch toy story 4 if ryan watches seven seasons of the blacklist <laughs> That is a not a good compromise because how many episodes are there in each season of the blacklist? But but it would even out the score. That's no, the because so if let's just say it's twenty episodes to be generous, that's forty nine minutes each episode. That's like fuck. Keep talking. I'm going to do the math. I might be I might be able to figure out a solution, Corinne. Um, if if if. If you if you watch if you don't watch Toy Story four, I'm going to foist a Jack Benny movie upon us one week. So we have to, we have to make this decision now. Okay, Do we want to okay. go down my road. So I don't think I've ever seen I'm, a Jack Benny movie, so I don't care. Well, I if, know if exactly I'm, which one. If I'm being just you know, like conservative with twenty episodes, it's six thousand eight hundred and sixty minutes of the fucking blacklist. You know, I think I calculated the approximate runtime in one of my essays. And it's, a, and it's 114 hours. Place. That is not. I'll tell you exactly. It's 153 episodes. So mm, that's right, because they did just have their 150th, didn't they? Uh, what but if Ryan watched a season of The Blacklist? It's such a convoluted story that you need 153 episodes to explain it. Whereas Toy <laughs> Story is a concise, well-written movie that only you know needs two hours to explain itself. So. 
yeah. That's not going to happen. I'm not going to watch fucking 600 hours of a fucking TV show or 150 hours of a TV show. How about this, Corinne? If you watch Toy Story 4, I will do a commentary to the Pride and Prejudice miniseries. The entire thing. No, because we were already going to do a commentary for the movie version. So that that's is true, but, but the miniseries is longer. <laughs> yeah. <I laughs> now I'm going to die on the sword of Mr. Darcy. <laughs> okay, I got a compromise. Instead of all that blacklist, Ryan has to watch a Roman Polanski film. Oh, that no, 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 no. I would not. For, I know I'm not going to force Ryan <laughs> to do anything that terrible. That's that's way different. That's a that's a principle thing. <laughs> no, this what we're, we're, we're talking about is no one should watch a Roman Polanski Corinne's movie. on a principle. She's not watching Toy Story 4 because it doesn't exist to her. Yeah, it didn't rape a 13 year old girl, though. <laughs> Anything else you watched this week, Corinne, that we're going to chastise you for? No, that was it. Although I'm just going to say that, I mean, don't be surprised if Toy Story 3 shows up on my 2010 film explosion list. And if it does, we're not going to have this conversation again, okay? I'm not going to talk about it because you're really weird. So <laughs> it's going to show okay. up at number 10 on the list too and piss everyone off. Yeah. Brad, what'd you watch this week? Not a lot. Obviously, I spent my weekend making a movie. Uh, but before that, I picked up the Back to the Future animated series on mm. DVD. And I've watched uh, maybe two episodes and I was like, Oof, this is going to be tough. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's animated Back to the Future. And the, the only really like notable thing was that the first episode was written by uh, Peyton Reed, who directed Ant-Man 1 and 2. So he got his start uh, doing some uh, animated Back to the Future episodes. And the one he wrote, the they went back to the Civil War, and they bridged the uh, the differences of the North and South. <laughs> uh, Wait, so we need Marty McFly right now? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, it's 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 yeah, just silly Saturday morning cartoons. It's you know, it's not like a deep cartoon show like a lot of one, a lot of them today. It's just hey, well, everybody a- has to start somewhere, Brad, because Dean Laurie is one of the showrunners and writers of Harley Quinn, and the first thing he ever wrote was Jason Goes to Hell. So you know, you got to start somewhere. Yeah, and he also did Arrested Development too. So. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll let you know if I watch any other interesting episodes from that series and it's only like 23 episodes in its entirety or something so shouldn't be too long uh but yeah it it just reminds me because also they had to like christopher lloyd doing the uh like lead-ins to each episode Hmm. um like actually doc brown doing it so that that's pretty cool for uh, a kid's saturday morning cartoon so and bill nye isn't bill nye yet he's like the assistant to doc brown on that show. Huh. So it's cool to see young Bill Nye on there being the science guy before he's the science guy. So before he's a science and guy, he's just the science, science dude. Yeah. He's just Doc Brown's he like cuts away to anything they couldn't hire Christopher Lloyd to do be on that set. They <laughs> got back up Christopher Lloyd. Uh yeah. I think he's uh no um Thomas Wilson, who played Biff, and then uh, Mary Steenburgen also did voices in that show, which is pretty cool. Really? Wow. Yeah. 
played their characters. So, yeah, good old Saturday morning cartoons. Remember that? Yeah, actually. Um, so uh, I'll just plug this. I'll be sending Brad soon my review of the first six episodes of Ninja Turtles. Now, originally, I was just going to review them all and post them on the website. But after talking to Brad, he's also going to insert his opinion on them, Brad. Or are you just going to um, chastise me for not understanding how great the show is? Well, anytime you give it a negative review, I'll chastise you. And every time you <laughs> praise it, I will go along with it. <laughs> wow, just like everything on the internet now. <laughs> exactly. Well, Brand, if you're such a true fan, you must at least acknowledge that it has some flaws, right? I mean, nothing is without, nothing is perfect. Mm, nah. Ninja Turtles 1987 is pretty perfect. Yep. Pretty it's, perfect. So what's wrong with it? I mean, it's that pretty perfect. That is there's more than not perfect. more episodes. Yeah. The, the fact that they cut it off at 10 seasons is just a tragedy. It really is. Like they could have gone for another 20. I mean, they, it was a Simpsons level show. Uh, not to spoil it, but I watched the first season. And I rewatched it again because I do that a lot with 20 minute TV shows so I can um, articulate better when I write. And um, it was because uh, I said it was rough the first time I watched it. But watching it again, I think it, I got back into the world. I think I was so far removed from it for so long that it took me a little bit to get back into the um, episodes. Plus, like, the quality of animation that exists nowadays compared to back then. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I'll give it that caveat, but... um, It still looks good for the 80s, but, I I mean, it's hard to... You know, it doesn't hold up as well as the way, you know, the the kind of quality... Again, like, a lot of today's, like, dumb computers. So the amazing thing is, like, that many episodes were done by hand. Yep. So look for that soon. I have, like... Again, I, I finally posted my Family Guy one. I still have like four other up articles I'm working on. So soon. Uh, then the uh, speaking of The Simpsons, I watched season 31 of The Simpsons, which I haven't watched a season of The Simpsons in probably over a decade. Wow. Um, and I was surprised at how much I actually enjoyed it. Really? It is weird that they skip on the couch gag quite often. Hmm. Uh because you know, I'm guessing by now there's, you know, they, they've uh, pared down the intro song so much to fit commercials in that now they're just going after the couch gag. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of like legit, like I laughed out loud, uh, especially, um, you know, I binge watched it so fast that I can't really remember much of like any specifics, but there I do remember like there's this gag where Homer's trying to like inflate a, uh, like an, an inflatable Santa on his lawn and he's doing it by mouth and it's taking forever. So he hooks up a hose to the exhaust pipe to his car. <laughs> <laughs> and then obviously uh, it, the Santa thing explodes and then like knocks over their tree. And sets it on fire or something. Um, yeah. But a lot of the episodes rev- like, rev- uh, revolve around like modern tech. Like there's a lot of like social media references and internet uh storylines that it's 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 kind of like i I miss the days of like actual family like simpsons family unit stories yeah you know i've said though too uh because i've watched i haven't because i haven't binged a season but because disney plus i've been going and just picking random new episodes 
and I, I always say like a bad episode of the Simpsons is sometimes a lot better than stuff on TV because they still have the characters, you know, the actors know the characters so well, the writers are usually pretty spot on. So I, I, I'm always entertained by the Simpsons. I even, uh, with our comic shop closing, I, I started picking up um, some Simpsons comics and I was picking them up if Ralph Wiggum show, was showing up in them. And they're funny. Like there's this one where Ralph Wiggum becomes a bully with Jimbo and the other guys. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. There was a, there was a, one of the last episodes I remember watching before I kind of just tuned out and started going back to the first 10 seasons. Is there is principal Skinner's on an adventure with the kids driving a bus. Ralph has to ask to go take a pee and they, he relents. And while Ralph is peeing, he goes, I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. So tell me what you want, what you really, really want. I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. And he just keeps going until Skinner just pulls him away. <laughs> it's just, the, the show can still pull off some fun humor at times. Oh, yeah. But, um, <clears throat> but yeah. I didn't, by the way, Ryan, I didn't know that one of your first tattoos was Ralph Wiggum as I, Ohio. It's, it's, my very, it's my very first tattoo. I, uh, I got two tattoos within like a couple weeks of each other. Mm-hmm. And a lot, when I was 18, 19, 20, all my friends have to say, Hey, I'm going to go get a tattoo. You want to come? I'm like, yeah, sure. And um, so, yeah, so I, I always pick ones that, I mean, I'm sure there's other Ralph Wiggums, but I always like to pick one that maybe someone doesn't have. My guess is him picking <clears throat> his nose is a really popular one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I picked the one where he has Idaho scotch taped on him with a piece of paper and then, uh, two weeks later, I got uh, Stupendous Man from Calvin and Hobbes. Uh, I mean, a lot of people have, I'm sure, Calvin, but I made sure I got his superhero alter ego. He takes down his babysitter, Roslyn. Yep. I fucking love Calvin and Hobbes. Actually, that episode where they're, where Ralph is Idaho, I do love the line where after Lisa sees her Florida costume, she goes, I'm not a state, I'm a monster. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, Lisa, the only monster here is the one that seduced your mother. I call him Gambler. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm so stupid and I do stupid things all the time. Uh, my wife actually said that she feels like she's the Lisa of our house. <laughs> she's the smartest one and she always is like, turned off by how goofy i am but you know that's what i do uh she loves you though otherwise she, she wouldn't be around, sticking around <laughs> your wife yeah she's My around wife. for the inheritance yeah <laughs> the frost estate yeah <laughs> that sweet police officer salary well you know actually uh i do have a, a pension that she'll get when i die so that's good gotcha so hopefully that won't be for a long time yeah 90 years so yeah i i wish i could watch the they only have season 31 on hulu so i'm like man i wish i could go back and watch the other 12 i've missed um and every time you watch something on hulu like a tv show you're like man i should pay the four extra dollars a month so i don't have to you know watch the ads but then you're like yeah that's kind of a pain in the ass i'll just watch the ads (laughs) uh actually i do the ads like every one is the same like so you'll watch god i watched I think like six Corey Gardner ones <laughs> in oh a row. God. And then like the next episode had six Hickenlooper ones in a row. And I was just like, uh, it's also weird that it's so it's streaming. Right. But there's a Fox 31 Denver watermark on my Simpsons episodes. So I'm like, they can actually send targeted. Like, yeah, they do episodes. that. on that, That's part of the Hulu thing. 
is um, because they're all localized, you know, because you can watch live sports on Hulu, but they do that on purpose. So you can only watch what's local for your affiliate. So you couldn't just turn on, you know, because you, you like the Dolphins, you couldn't turn on Miami's Fox to watch the Miami Dolphins play. They won't let you. I just like, why watermark them at all? Like, they, they could just be, <laughs> I don't know. It just doesn't make, like, they, they come from one place. It's not like they were created in Denver. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I uh, also watched uh, A Knight's Tale, which I haven't seen oh. since the early 2000s. That's and a good one. That was, yeah, that's actually still a lot of fun. Um, the whole modern music paired with, uh, uh, you know, medieval. Oh, wait, fantasy. don't say that. Don't get Corinne going about how it's not <laughs> accurate. I think the tone of that movie, like they open with "We will rock you," so you know from the outset that this is going to be just, you know, fun. It's not supposed to be taken like as historical accuracy. Oh, for sure. I just it just seems cheesy though. Like. I don't know the the songs that they picked and using them at all. It, I don't know. It just it hasn't aged great for me. It's a fun sh- movie though. Uh, yeah, it's it's way fun. Um, you know, Alan Tudyk's in there. Um, Paul Bettany's in there. Do you know I met Alan Tudyk? I did his panel at Denver Pop Culture Con one year. No, tell us that story. Uh, he's really funny. He's a super cool dude. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he was great. Like he's one of the most fun panels I've ever had. He's, and he uh, gave. The voice it's, of Joker on Harley Quinn. That's right. Uh, he he was funny. He, anybody who asked him a question, he would give them something. And he learned this from Nathan Fillion. Um, Nathan Fillion would give people watches. And um, Alan Tudyk, when he was talking, said, I can't afford that. So he would give out shampoos and soaps from his hotel room. It was pretty funny. And then I, I gave him a dollar that he signed and gave to somebody. And when we left off stage, uh, he said, hey, man, uh, I don't have a dollar on me. I'm sorry about that. And I said, it's okay. <laughs> so I, I loaned Alan Tudyk a dollar that I have not been repaid. Nor do you need to. No. Um, I mean, that's a pretty baller story that you can just tell people, yeah, Alan Tudyk owes me a dollar. And it's true. Cool. It is. It is 100% true. Um, he was a super cool dude, though. He is one like him and Kevin Conroy. I think I did th- those – those ones were the same year. I had a really good year that year at Pop Culture Con. Really cool dudes. Anyways, sorry, Brad. Uh, yeah, it's a fun movie. And also, I'd forgotten really the plot. And it's actually a really sweet story about, uh, you know, this kid who had no connection to royalty or anything. Um, and then you finally you slowly unravel what his backstory is. And, like, one of the guys he's competing with is the king or the Lord of the land. Yeah. And uh, like, they have this like mutual respect for each other because uh, you know, everyone else is afraid of challenging the King, but um, uh, what's his name? Got it. Uh, Heath Ledger, you know, doesn't doesn't let that, you know, William doesn't, uh, you know, let that get in the way. And uh, Rufus Sewell, like the whole time is just, he's, he's like the, like the bad guy in eighties movies, like eighties, like party (laughs) movies. Basically, I know he's he's a he's a good bad guy though. He has that. Um, oh yeah, I just I that, say like British charm, evil guy to him. Yeah, I just I think it's funny. Like his character in Medieval Evil Times is like the same bad guy <laughs> in like uh, like eighties teen comedies. You know, he's yeah. just like you know the, the hero's trying to impress the girl he likes, and he just shows up and like kicks sand in his face, basically, but yeah, medieval awesome. style. 
totally. he's very smarmy yeah um yeah uh that was that and then the last thing i watched was the uh real nerds pod show oh nice um i heard the star of that is a total fucking prick like on set he doesn't even look you in the eyes yeah there's a whole documentary on the dvd about uh what a (laughs) diva is um yeah i I hadn't like really sat down and watched uh those episodes in probably like five years and i'm really impressed with what we did like uh you know the six episodes kind of flying by the seat of our pants like making those Um, yeah it was a lot of like reconnecting with those characters was a lot of fun and uh you know the blu-ray has the commentary tracks uh and the like one hour uh blooper reel uh that horrified james's mother (laughs) yeah lots of swearing and just yeah bad takes it's great and yeah made me excited for season two hopefully that 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 happens um yeah, like a sweet niche that's trip. Um Yeah. I, mean, I wanna start working on figuring out the scripts for it. Yeah. Everyone... Need to be approved by me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The story ideas need to be approved by me and signed off on each page with my initials. Right. You also need a, a bowl of uh single color M and M's in yep. the trailer. Uh the brown ones because those are the least popular ones. <laughs> Do they even put those in M&Ms anymore? Does anybody know? I don't really eat M&Ms. I don't know. I, th- I think they are. Hmm. M&Ms are good. I haven't had those in a long time. <laughs> in the Simpsons, they're N&Ns. <laughs> 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 uh, so that's what I watched. Yep. What did you watch this week? Well, I didn't watch much either because I was also making a film. So, Just a couple things? Um, literally only two. Um. So I um, I sat down and rewatched uh, the other side of the wind <clears throat> for Orson Welles' John Huston research, um, and what I found interesting about the second time around watching it was primarily just how one I had to lower my rating on it because ultimately, as I've been doing the research, I realized that you can't some of these reconstructions of Wells's work are, can't be considered perfect films because they're not, it's going to sound weird, but because he's not the one signing off on it, it still feels weird. It's like a, it's like, you know, people basically picking through a dead person's trash to a certain extent (laughs) and going like, Oh, we created treasure out of it. But other side of the wind is the one reconstruction that feels the most complete because of what they did with it. Um, And, uh, what I found interesting was primarily the performance he gets out of Houston is very, very interesting given Houston's career. Um, I had seen the film two years ago and gave the documentary about it on my top. I put the documentary about it on my top 10. Um, and I liked the movie then, but I, I appreciated it more now primarily because of Houston's performance and what he's giving to it. Um, and it's interesting to see how many people was, was able to gather for that movie um, that he basically shot over a period between 1973 and 1976, just like scrounging up whatever money he could get to make it. It's like the last thing he made that was technically actually complete. Like the small stuff that they added with Frank Marshall's company putting up the money is so insignificant. It would it probably wouldn't have even mattered, but it helps to smooth out a few edges. Um, and then the only other thing that I watched was after our movie of the week, 
I rewatched another thin, a thin man movie called shadow of the thin man. Um, if, for those of you not keeping track at home, but fuck it, I'm going to say it anyway. Um, little, a, a little, uh, Nick jr. Is now a little bit older and he loves his dad and they go to the park and he reads the racetrack form to him instead of reading fairy tales. Um, and that, but he gets to go home as soon as he hears the sound of a cocktail shaker from across town. Um, and then he is gradually drawn yet again into another mystery that he doesn't want to be a part of, but then he becomes a part of it. And then he solves it in a big gathering in the hall at the end of the movie. So it's, how, much, uh, how much shadow does a thin man really have anyway? You know what? You'd be surprised. Um, there's not a lot. Like it's, it's, it's pretty, like I thought there would be at least some, but there's not a lot of shadow of the thin man and, and it's kind of non-existent. Um, I mean, physically, fact, if you're thin, your, your shadow has to be even thinner, right? Yeah. You know, what's funny. You know, what's funny about this, Brad, is that the thin man's shadow appears in the thin man, but then after that, they don't have a thin man. <laughs> so they literally just use the thin man silhouette uh, to illustrate the fact that it's going to be a thin man movie. So, but I, uh, but as far as your question, I don't know how small it could be. We'll have to find a thin person and test their shadow on it and see how thin it actually is. Um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, Ryan, these are movies you'll, you obviously would probably like because they're, you know, Powell and Loy and they're just Hell doing yeah. their winning back and forth. Um, <clears throat> one thing that I, I, I noticed this re, in this rewatch, because it's been a while since I've rewatched the sequels, as I stated last week, um, there are two scenes where they slow down the frame rate and basically portray Asta the dog uh, like in slow motion. So he's like, it, and, it, and it has to do with mainly the big one that I noticed is that there's a scene involving a merry-go-round um, where Nick, Nick and Nick Jr. are on it. And Nick, do, Nick does not want to get on the other uh, horse uh, on the merry-go-round because he's afraid that he'll fall. And all the other kids are making fun of him, which I should have taken a picture of all these like 30s and 40s kids like screaming at him that he's a chicken because they are the ugliest kids I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, and yeah, that's coming from Mr. Ugly right now. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt kids who are probably already dead. <laughs> um, but uh, the, uh, but what's interesting is like after that Asta gets on it, they spin around for a little bit, Nick gets off. And then there's this slow-mo shot of the dog getting off to indicate, I guess, uh, dizziness and confusion it's so weird it feels so out of place um, but it was interesting to watch that kind of slow-mo done for a 30s and 40s movie for a comedy no less because um, it's been done but just in a comedy it just kind of felt weird um, but anyway anyway out, outside of that the movie's the movie's fine it's not it's not my favorite of the sequels I, there's it's much funnier than I remember it being um, and I think it's primarily because at this point, Nick and Nora have become, their characters are so established that you know all the beats. So like anytime a drink is mentioned, there's kind of like a Pavlovian response to you laughing at Nick wanting a drink or Myrna Loy, you know, wanting to get involved in the caper, but Nick tells her no and she follows him anyway. So, um, <clears throat> but yeah, if you haven't watched these movies, you should. They're a lot of fun. They're very formulaic. Um, after the first one, and so you know what you're going to get, and you're never really disappointed. <laughs> and that's all I watched nice. this week. Uh, yeah, I watched uh, just a couple yeah, things. Yeah, Ryan, what fucking uh, Carol Lombard and dumb Kate Blanchett stuff have you been watching this week? Um, Grin, you're not as good at put downs as I am, but you know, nice try. Um, it's because I'm not as mean as you, Ryan. I don't. I don't, I'm not that cruel hearted. 
Uh, you are because you haven't seen Toy Story four. So, um, no, I watched. Um, I rewatched uh, Comic Con episode four of Fans Hope, um, which is really important to the Real Nerds podcast. Is at the screening of that we met Beth from Denver Comic Con who invited us to be at the Comic Con um, for free to cover it as a podcast when we were just starting out. So uh, that film always has a special place in my heart, and it's still a really fun film. It just tracks people. Um, going to uh, San Diego Comic-Con and the love they have for certain franchises. Um, there's always the really, I always, I forgot about this funny story about the one boy who was uh, going to propose to his girlfriend at the Kevin Smith panel. Um, it, it's lots of fun. And Denver's own Chuck Rosinski from Mile High Comics is in there um, who laments about the dwindling returns on the comic industry at Comic-Con, which now 10 years later, is even more so true um but it's a really fun film uh you can watch it on prime and i, I recommend everybody check it out it's it's pretty fun uh it's directed by morgan spurlock who did uh supersize me um so it, it it moves quickly i think it's only like an hour and 20 minutes and it gets some great interviews in it definitely check it out um i watched the uh the 2020 the grudge um which is produced by Sam Raimi's uh, Ghost House Pictures. Um, yeah, which, how was it? It's not too bad, actually. I mean, there's a lot of jump scares, which is really annoying. Yeah. Um, jump scares I don't think are scary. And I've seen so many horror films that I can pretty much pick out when they're going to happen. Um, the only director who's really good at jump scares still is James Wan. Uh, I think that's because he has a fluidity to his cameras and how he frames actors in him where he, and he ex- sets up and he sets up stuff in the background too. So he yeah, really- but, but he, yeah, what's great. If you look back um, either to insidious um, or the conjuring, he's really good at putting actors in corners of frames where you expect something to happen in the background. And then when it does, it's pretty awesome. Um, but an over-reliance on jump scares is, gets really obnoxious in films and, this one does what I do like about it though, is it's actually not a reboot. It's a continuation of the, um, the events and it unfolds kind of like a Tarantino movie where they're only giving you bits and pieces of the story. Uh, some parts are flashback, some are flash forwards. Um, so nothing is really happening in real time. You have to kind of piece it together. You, I mean, you could tell that the guys who made it uh, care about the franchise. And I mean, it's, it's really gory. Um, so that's really cool. It has some pretty cool makeup effects. Uh, there's a mummified lady in a, in a car that looks really cool. Um, it's really well done. Um, so yeah, overall, it's not horrible. It's not game changing, but it's better than I thought it was going to be. Um, um, it's like, I, so they ghost house actually did the first one too. So yeah. This, and uh, basically going back to that property. That's interesting. Yeah, Sam Raimi, he's awesome. Um, and, and Sam Raimi shows up on like the behind the scenes for this movie. I'm like, he didn't show up for the when Screen Factory released Army of Darkness on Blu-ray. I go, Ryan, Ryan, who's paying for my gardening? <laughs> yeah, Columbia, no doubt. Columbia. Um, <laughs> uh, when I went to... Uh, twist and shout a few weeks ago i stumbled across a walt disney treasures i didn't have um and it's behind the scenes at the walt disney studios which is a really cool um dvd um it's uh, the the centerpiece of it's the reluctant dragon which has since been released on blu-ray 
but um, it's really cool. It's actually vintage documentaries. Uh, the first two are really fascinating because um, the first one they show was never intended for anybody to see. It was basically a promo piece while Walt was making Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs so he could get more financing for it and showing the hard work and the techniques they were doing. Yeah. Um, so it has like a lot of like the great animators from there show up. Um, they show how they make the sound design, how they paint the sails. Uh, I, I, I sent a text to Zach cause he would appreciate it. They have this like 1930s guy narrating over it. And he says, and the pretty gals from Walt Disney company are out there painting. And it's, um, the sad part is, is that there's no John D. Charlie music over yeah, it. Yeah, there, there's not. It's, uh, but it's really 1930s radio guy telling you about the pretty gals that paint <laughs> backgrounds yeah. for Disney. Um, so this is basically this was like the the money the money sector of getting Snow White that this promotional piece like one of many obviously. Yeah, so it's really fascinating um, seeing it. They. Uh, there's a few other documentaries on it and it's basically taking you behind the scenes on how they animate things. And it's really great. Uh, Leonard Malton has an interview with, uh, I can't believe I can't remember his name, but he was uh, one of the lead animators for the reluctant dragon. He was 95 when this DVD came out and he wasn't really down with being interviewed. So it's like, was it Ward Kimball? No, no, I I would remember that. Um, I can't believe I can't remember his name right now, but it's a really fun interview because you can tell he's still uh, reluctant wonk, wonk, about doing the interview. Right, settle and, down, Robert Benchley. All <laughs> <laughs> right. And uh, it, it's just really cool because I think Leonard Maltin is so great when he talks about the history of films. Um, he's, he's wonderful on these DVDs. And I mean, these DVDs are the, the pride and joy of my movie collection. I know. And because, we still, we still got to get you one more though. Yeah. You know, it's, um, I think I need two more. I think I need more silly symphonies. I keep on forgetting to double check, but I'm pretty sure I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the world war two one, which is and the world one. war two. Cause I, you know, I, I love Disney cartoon shorts mm-hmm. and these tins and DVDs. I, I mean, they made so limited of them. And when you're, when I first started getting them, I mean, I didn't appreciate what they were. And I used to pick them up at Best Buy and, you know, now, you know, I think it's Mickey Mouse and Living Color Volume 1 is selling for over $300 on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And it, they're, they're just wonderful things. And if, if you ever stumble across them, I, I mean, just pick them up. Um, the, real, the, the behind the scenes of at Walt Disney Studios, I got a Twist and Shout for $27, which is a steal because it's selling on Amazon for over 80 Yeah. Um, Somebody doesn't know what they have there. No. Or, or it's just a way to get, like, they need to push product there too, so. Yeah, and that's fine. I mean, uh, I mean, obviously I took it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it, it's fun. And if you ever stumble across Walt Disney Treasures in the wild, definitely pick them up. Because I, I think the one they made the most of was uh, maybe the first Mickey Mouse volume. And it's like at 120,000. So there's not that many of them in each yeah. volume. The the one that I encourage people the most to watch is the one that I have, which is the on the front lines one. That's the one I found at the library and rewatched a bunch because it was it, it taught me a lot about taking things within historical context. Um, but there's there's a film on it called Victory Through Air Power, which was Walt's attempt 
he read this book that he liked. He got the guy who wrote it to come on there and explain how the war could be won through air power. It's a Disney film you're not going to see outside this collection. It's very, it's a very much a World War II artifact, but it's supremely fascinating to watch what his studio did to accompany the, the author's description of how they would have won the war through the air power at the time. And this is before anybody knew, you know, Oppenheimer was developing the bomb. So, um, but <clears throat> this is a great collection. And there's also a short in there about how important it is to pay your income tax. That's right. Yep. Um, so yeah, good stuff there. Uh, I watched uh, Hellbound, Hellraiser 2, um, <laughs> just because I wanted to watch a gory film right up Corinne's alley. We have um, some delights to show you, Ryan. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a worthy follow-up to Hellraiser. You know, I was never the biggest Hellraiser fan. I think uh, visually they're really impressive. I love the, the makeup effects in them. I love the character designs. Um, the stories are all kind of goofy. Um, you know, I, I don't think they're terrifying. Some people think, you know, Pinhead is really scary. I think he's just a goober. I think but, Butterball is more terrifying than Pinhead. <laughs> you know, I always thought the Chatter one was the coolest looking one. Oh, yeah. He's he's creepy looking. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so like image-wise is really great. I, I, I probably say that about all Clive Barker stuff is image-wise, it's pretty great. Um, Story-wise... Sometimes it works well. Um, and this one, is, it's like a direct pickup from the first one. Um, I can't believe I can't remember the name of the character, but she's put in an insane asylum because no one believes her. That demons come out of a puzzle box, and then they do, and then they start killing everybody again, you know, because they punish people. And um, yeah, so it's just a lot of gore, a lot of uh, awesome 80s-style makeup effects. Uh, you know, the, the muscle body suits are really impressive. Oh, um, so, yeah, if you want to watch just a gory, over-the-top monster movie, I guess, um, the Hellraiser's fun. And I got the uh, Arrow, maybe th- three or four years ago, is an Arrow Scarlet box, which is a really beautiful box set that has the first three, 120-page um, book in it, and about 10 hours of bonus features. I don't think you can get it anymore. I think they've released them individually now, though. I think you can uh, purchase, at least the first one I know has been released by Arrow. Um, I know there's a Doc that Shudder released. I didn't know if that was the one that Arrow put out. Maybe it's called like uh, The Box, or I forget. Um, But it's it's only on the first two. uh, But each one's almost two hours long, the documentary Mm -hmm. about making of the first two. The third one, they're like, this movie's weird. We're not going to put too much... Bonus yeah. features on it. Um, the third one's even more gory and way more insane. Hell, um, it's, it's hell on earth, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Colorado's own Scott Derrickson directed the fifth one, which is actually not that bad of a, a film um, because he wrote it originally without Hellraiser and Pinhead. And when he came to Dimension, or maybe, it, yeah, I think it was Dimension. Yeah. Or, or what was the. Uh, other Weinstein horror thing. It was uh, Dimension. Is it Dimension? Am I thinking of the right one? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he came to him and like, hey, you should add Pinhead to this. And he did. And so Pinhead isn't even in it till maybe the last 10 minutes. Um, but Scott Derrickson's a really cool filmmaker. So, you know, if you ever want to check out the long lost Hellraiser 5, <laughs> everybody wants to see. Yeah. Uh, I think it's Hellraiser Inferno is the name of it. Yeah. 
Um, and the last thing I watched is um, I do have access to CBS All Access because of my father-in-law. And uh, I watched uh, Console Wars on it, which is the late 80s, early 90s war between Nintendo and Sega, uh, which is always a really fascinating uh, story. Um, Brad, you watched High Score, and they do cover a lot of the same ground as the episode in High Score, um, but it's stretched out over an hour and 40 minutes as opposed to just maybe 41 minutes. So they get a lot more people involved and... It's funny because they talk about how arrogant Nintendo was, and then they have um, the Sega guys, and they have uh, all the marketing people from Nintendo in there. I said, yeah, we were arrogant. We made the best video games in the market. (laughs) It's really funny. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the guy who helped develop Sonic with Sega of Japan, um, like, shitbagged Super Mario World. And I go, wow, these guys are arrogant on both sides. It's it's, it's a really kind of fun documentary. Um, If you have CBS All Access, definitely check it out. And that's what I watched this week. Uh, This week on Real Nerds Podcast, we streamed Enola Holmes. Zach, should people watch Enola Holmes? Um, yeah, um, I think you should. I enjoyed the film a lot. I have some issues with certain storytelling choices, but it's nothing that took away the enjoyment of the film. Like it's a, it's a fun, it's a fun little movie. And I think Millie Bobby Brown gives a great performance in the film. Um, my, and my concerns with it aren't even Sherlock Holmes related. It's more just certain choices they made in the film itself. But I think it, with, with it being a Netflix film and being a, pretty brisk two-hour mystery film that actually has some interesting edge to it i would definitely check it out so yeah um i'll skip brad because i know brad didn't see it um corinne Uh, did you watch it i watched most of it oh i thought you said you weren't going to watch it in your text message brad should people stream (laughs) uh enola holmes uh how much of it did you watch brad about 45 minutes wait you only watched the first 45 minutes yeah. Oh, hey, let me change it this way, Brad. Should you are you going to continue watching Enola Holmes? <laughs> uh, I, I'll finish it just because I'm a completist, but I'm not excited. <laughs> like I'm not really invested in what's going on. Ren, should people stream Enola Holmes? I think so. I think uh, one bad thing is I think the movie is trying to do too much because um, it has to be both a mystery movie and a kind of origin story for this character who is you know associated with this other character that you already know from popular fiction so it's trying to do like a lot of stuff that's like a coming of age it's the mystery thing it's a little bit of a romance too is is she a character made up for this movie or does she exist in like the actual sherlock holmes books she does not yeah, she doesn't exist in the Doyle canon, but there is like some other author wrote about Enola Holmes. If you watch the whole thing and you get to the credits, you'll see that it says like based on you know the book, so blah 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 by, and then it's not Arthur Conan Doyle; it's somebody yeah. else. No, okay. Doyle's <clears throat> Doyle's universe only had Sherlock and Mycroft as the Holmes family. Um, but so, but this book series is apparently very popular. I, I had no idea it really existed because I've never outside, heard of it. Yeah, outside of Doyle's work itself, I didn't really pay much attention to other authors doing Sherlock tales like that. So, unless they're like 
filmed or television adaptations. So, but anyway, I think it's a cute movie, and the cast is very talented, and there's a little bit of like social commentary going on. So, yep, I think it's worth checking out. It's ultimately harmless. Uh, it's okay. Um, it tries too hard to be cute, which is kind of annoying, I think. But uh, Millie Bobby Brown is really good in it. Um, I do like her. Um, I'll talk about the things I didn't like with it when we after we play the trailer. But I mean, it's okay. I mean, it, you can stream it. So it seems like I'm not the target audience for this film. It seems like it is kind of a teenage girl kind of target audience. Um, yeah. But yeah, here's the uh, here's a trailer for Enola Holmes. Now, where to begin? My mother named me Enola, which backwards spells alone. And yet, we were always together. And it was wonderful. She was my whole world. Which leads me on to the second thing you need to know. A week ago, I awoke. Mother? To find that my mother was missing, and she did not return. I'm presently on the way to collect my brothers, Mycroft and Sherlock. Yes, Sherlock Holmes, the famous detective, my genius brother. He will have all the answers. Enola. Where's your hat and your gloves? Well, I have a hat. Just makes my head itch. And I have no gloves. My God. A wild woman brought up a wild child. Who will make her acceptable for society? She seems intelligent. There are two paths you can take, Enola. Yours, or the path others choose for you. It is time to find my mother. The game is afoot. <laughs> if I have to stay hidden from my brothers, I must become something unexpected. A lady. <laughs> You've progressed nicely. Is she safe? She's our company. I'm Viscount Tewkesbury. Her useless boy. You have to help me. I'm not ready to die on a train. I'm not ready to die at all, and I was going to before I met you. What are you planning, Mother? She always had a reason for everything. Her own way of doing things. Perhaps she wants to change the world. Perhaps it's a world that needs changing. Unlike most well-bred ladies, I was never taught to embroider. I was taught to watch and listen. I was taught to fight. I'm coming to find you, Mother. You don't know how to embroider? Okay, the first thing you need to know about this movie... Just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, no, go ahead. Uh, you know, the film is about Holmes' younger sister, which, you know, right away, the thing that I thought was really weird is, is Helena Bonham Carter is Harry, Henry Cravel's mom? Like, did she have him when she was 12? I mean, I don't know what's going on here. Um, 
Or is she really that much older than um, him? She might be. She's like probably in her 50s now. Yeah, but how old is Henry Cavell? Mm, he might be in his 30s. Mid-30s, probably. Anyway, so um, her mother mysteriously disappears one day. Henry Cavill is 37. Okay, and Ellen Bonham Carter is 54. So, I mean, I guess she could. Yeah, that's probably um, your difference. Oh, 10, 15, 17. 17, yeah. <laughs> um, Glorian times, guys. Come on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so in it, the mom disappears, uh, the brothers return, but they want to make her a proper lady. And she ain't down with that, guys. Nope. She's not a proper lady. She needs to explore the world. And along the way, she meets some boy. And then she's trying not to like him, but she likes him. And then she, instead of looking to find her mom, she decides to help the boy, which in a way helps her mom. Yep. And that's the story. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, Corinne, um, you and I are more the Sherlock um, readers or fans, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, what would... uh, I'm a Sherlock fan when Robert Downey Jr. plays him. Wow, okay. Snobbery is so thick on this podcast right now. <laughs> right. Okay, okay, Ryan, that's that's cute, but we we all know that Basil Rathbone was the best of them all. Corinne, what? <laughs> um, what did you? Um, what was your takeaway on how they handled the universe? Because I'm I'm curious to hear another person's reaction beyond the thoughts in my own brain. <laughs> um, the thing that pissed me off the most was Mycroft. Because yeah. between this and the BBC Sherlock, I'm like, I think you guys are giving Mycroft way too much credit. Because he only appears in like two or three stories in the Doyle canon. Mm-hmm. And he's fat. He's, well, arguably lazy. Like, the difference between him and Sherlock is like, Mycroft is smarter, but Sherlock is the one who's willing to put in like the legwork on a case. Yeah, so, it, you know, it's like Mycroft can help you kind of get started, but he's not going to actually finish it. And so this version of Mycroft was completely different from what we get in the Doyle canon. And also, I'm like, yeah, if Henry Cavell is uh, 37 years old, I'm like, how old is Sherlock supposed to be? Because they kind of make it seem like he's this up-and-coming detective. He doesn't yeah, have Watson yet. Yeah, he doesn't that was... have a mustache, which really bothered me. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, Holmes doesn't need a, well. Holmes doesn't need a mustache. Uh, Did Daddy have a mustache? Have a mustache? The... No, well, no. If you if you look at the original Sidney Paget illustrations, Holmes does not have a mustache. Cumberbatch doesn't have a mustache. Nope, Cumberbatch doesn't have a mustache. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. doesn't. Nope, he has a scruff though, but that's not the same. Um, <laughs> no, um, you, you know, because the and I go by the Paget illustrations because those are the ones that appeared in the periodicals. Um, Speaking of no. Benedict, Benedict Cumberbatch, he's in the Knight's Tale. Is he really? Yeah, nope. he's less, he's just like some guy calling out like plays on um not calling plays like just he's like an announcer for like one of the the jousters. You know, he is con, wow. so he could be that old and then find his way into Star Trek Into Darkness down the line. You know, he is a Superman. <laughs> anyway. Um. Um, yeah. But yeah, I agree. I the Mycroft is the Mycroft of it all was very 
it's almost like, and they also upped the aggressive factor on him in terms of the way he's trying to hold the family together. Mm-hmm. And Mycroft's a government agent. It seems like much like Sherlock, he's found a, in the original canon, he's found a way to separate himself from like familial ties outside of Sherlock because of his work. Like Mycroft's dedicated to his work like Sherlock is, but Sherlock is much more, Oddly enough, he's much more able to deal with people than Mycroft is. <laughs> uh, I also feel like Sherlock is very mellow in this. And granted, I think it's mostly because I watched the BBC adaptation the most recently. Mm-hmm. And I haven't read the Doyle stuff in a while. But he's just like, oh, mother ran away. Oh, okay. Like, well, maybe I'll get around to looking for her. I think this he's is more kind of- upset about the, the fact that his sister runs away, which I, is understandable. Well, that, and that's part of the issue that was coming up with the lawsuit that the Doyle estate put on the film because this version of Holmes, where he's a much more emotionally attuned, is technically part of the Doyle, the, the stories that the Doyle estate still has the rights to, which are later ones that were published as, uh, like in the later years. And so that's why they were suing Netflix over this movie. I don't think that this is... I, but there's a thing like, I mean, Sherlock can have emotions. It's not the issue. The issue is whether or not he's much more concerned about family and whatnot. Um, I think the biggest issue is I don't think uh, the, this version of Sherlock is compelling at all. I think he's just boring. He's Cavill's playing him like, as Corinne said, a little too mellow, but I also think he's a little too non, he's like very nonchalant and like, just kind of like, this is all like he knows everything, so it's almost. I mean, like- for a guy who says that a case for him is like a drug, and like he constantly needs that high of solving a case, yeah, it or working like- on a case, like he just doesn't seem to care. They yeah, from, to- from what I saw, he just likes to sit around and read books. He, yeah, well, because the only thing that I could think of is that this this whole situation is the least possible interesting thing to Holmes and that gradually he starts to become interested, but that doesn't even mesh up well. And the part of it is, is because Sherlock is very much a side character in this rightfully. So if we're going to mm-hmm. focus on Enola Holmes, which we probably should talk about like that, there are two big issues I have with Enola's part of this. Number one, and I understand this was apparently part of the pitch to make the movie was that, uh, I think Millie Bobby Brown had said in behind the scenes is that she was the one who pitched talking, breaking the fourth wall. And I don't necessarily love it. I think it's cute enough, but it's just, it just feels off at times. Like it doesn't really fit. Um, but the other one is, is that I could be wrong, but I don't feel like she solves the mystery because all we know at the end is is that a member of his family is out to get him. She thinks it's the uncle. And then we get that grandmother reveal, which I like that grandmother reveal. I think it's a good reveal. I just wondered, like, did she solve the mystery? I couldn't tell. And, like, and again, like, it's not to disparage anybody involved. It's just I'm just trying to figure it out because it seemed like she kind of, Yeah, it's like, more like she stumbles into it. Right, which is, again, she she has the right lead, but she doesn't have the Sherlock reveal of, like, well, clearly it was, you know, Grandma Boomer over here. And, you know, like, the and but I do like that scene with Lestrade when he's explaining how it must have been the grandmother. And then he says, like, how did you, how did your sister get here before you? Like, I do like that moment. It's very cute. Um, 
again, this this film has a lot going for it. I think there's just some things that just didn't mesh with me very well. And they're not Holmesian related. Like even the Mycroft things, whatever, because Mycroft's not, Mycroft's, it, he's Mycroft's not in never, the film too much. You know, and he's also not really a character to be truly concerned with in regards to Holmes lore. Like my favorite, my favorite Sherlock Holmes story, the Bruce Partington plans has Mycroft in it. And I could care less because he's only there to set up the fact that government plans have been stolen. Technical papers need to be found for this submarine. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, again, could have, would have, should have. I like Lestrade in the movie because <laughs> there's this implication that he, he says like Sherlock Holmes and I are the best of friends. And I'm like, that's bullshit. <laughs> so I like the way he's playing it, but, um, but yeah, no, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's not without its charms. Yeah, and I think okay. the the charms primarily come from the cast, mostly Millie Bobby Brown and the kid who plays the Duke of Wesselton or whatever the hell his name is. Yeah, he was boring. The most it's the most British name that I can't remember. Um, it's like Tewksbury or something Tewksbury, like that. Tewksbury, yes, that's it. Tewksbury. Um, and then, uh, uh, but and we were talking like we mentioned up the social commentary factor of it. I did appreciate that the historical uh, backdrop for this was a reform vote. I thought it was very interesting to play that angle, and I know that meme's been going around of uh, or not meme, but the the still clips of politics boring you, et cetera, et cetera. It's an interesting thing to toss into this Sherlock movie or this Enola Holmes movie that. I think actually works for the backdrop and whatnot. If anything, the thing that for me, the film, what's not working is the cutesy factor that they're going for. Like everything else is working for me fine. There's actually like really good fight scenes in the movie. Um, there's actual violence in this movie, which I did not expect because I walked into this thinking, this is just going to be like Nancy Drew level, like action suspense. Like there's not going to be any actual, and then there's flat out blood in this movie. Like I was, I was kind of stumbled back in my chair a little bit. Um, yeah, that part where she uh, flips Burn Gorman's character on, and he smashes his head on the pine cone. Oh God, that was so brutal. He, he's still bleeding, and he goes like, "For England, <laughs> holy <laughs> crap!" Um, so yeah, like, so again, again, like, if anything, my biggest issue is just the cutesy things are the ones that distracted the most. If they were to pull back on that a little bit and really give a little more, not more grit. I don't want to use the word grit or dark or edgy or whatever, but if it was just less uh, preoccupied with making a smile, I, I with like kitschy humor, I would probably be a little bit more um, upbeat about the film. But again, I did like it. So, and I'm predisposed to like people taking their pitch on a Sherlock Holmes story. So I'm, I'm kind of already on board no matter what. And this one did just fine for me. Yeah. I mean, I agree. Like, you know, the, the whole time she's, I mean, I don't mind someone telling you the story of what's going on, Mm -hmm. but she would be, you know, fighting someone and then she'd like look at the camera or when the totally lame love story happens and he would say something to her and she'd look all cutesy at the camera going, you guys are in this with me, right? You you think what he said is cute too, right? I, I don't know. I could do without that. I don't think it was quite that exaggerated. I, I saw it as just, you know, this is the story about her becoming a detective on her own merit. Right. And I saw it as like her working through the problems in her head, but 
she's breaking the fourth wall as just kind of like a narrative device. But I mean, it's like kind of like, uh, you know, when Robert Downey Jr.'s Sherlock has like the inner monologue in that one fight scene of like, first, I'm going to hit him here. And then second, I will hit him there. And it's like, it's kind of the same thing, but they're just delivering it a little bit differently. Yeah. But in the, in the Robert Downey Jr. one, he's, uh, he's like, it's like a comic book. He's having inner monologue of what he's going to do. He's not winking at the camera and saying, right. Isn't this cool what I'm doing? It's, but again, like I don't, I don't necessarily like hate it. I just wish they'd use less of it. I, yeah. If they were going to do that, I would have just liked less of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I feel like if you had like cut out a few of those, mo- like a few more of those moments, like her talking at the beginning, it's fine. We've got to set up Enola Holmes. But then there's a bunch that are stuck in the middle of it that just feel off to me. And again, like you know, like maybe this is you know. Like, it just—I don't know—it just didn't work for me. The like the way I guess the movie wanted it to, but I, you know, again, I didn't mind it. Yeah, it's 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 harmless, but I wish there was less of it. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. I think the overall like pacing and structure of the movie was the thing that bothered me the most because I I don't remember at what point it was, but I think I paused it and I was like, okay, so we're gonna start wrapping this up, right? Now look, and it's like 30 minutes left. I'm like, are you kidding me? What the hell else is there to do? It does kind of meander a little bit until she decides to solve the Twixberry murder. And then even then it still meanders a bit. It's, it, it's, it's, it's weird. It seems like it's got origin story, like blues about it, where it's really trying to set up a lot of emotional core. It's almost like maybe like the next one will be like the Dark Knight of it of its series, and you know it'll be just an amazing Enola Holmes adventure. But which I would like to see more. That's the thing. Like I was color me intrigued. I want to see more, and I do want to find out like what exactly at what point is Sherlock in his career that he hasn't had Watson come to live with him and Mrs. Hudson at Baker Street because this must be the early years because otherwise I'd see Watson somewhere. Or, or he would at least reference Watson. Yeah, but I mean, there was a time when, like, it's established that there's a time that Sherlock was already solving mysteries before Watson came in his employ. But I, I guess I'm just unfamiliar with like how I, long exactly that was. Yeah, and also again, like, you know, this is based on a whole other series of books that use the Sherlock Holmes canon as its backdrop. So I don't know what they've established in those books, um, which is to my detriment, I guess. Like, it seems like it'd be interesting to pick up and read one of them and see what they do with the lore. And I'm sure like there's audibles that I could listen to too, but, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, and, and, you know, like I, what I found cool about it is, is that like, it, it does have this very outgoingly positive message about it that I appreciate. And like, that's not heretofore with the film and whatnot, but it did like fill my heart with joy to watch a kind of a, a story like that unfold. So like at the end of the day, I was completely satisfied for whatever it's worth. So. Um, like I said, it was okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, next week. I don't know what we're going to watch. We'll figure it out. We usually do. But isn't it the first week of, uh, uh, of October, right? So. Yeah. I propose we start a four-week-long series of scary movies. 
I'm down. We'll have to take a break because we do have to do Film Explosion 2010. Um, so then three weeks of yes. movies. Um, do you want to do it the, to start pushing uh, 2010? Do you want to do it the 16th or the 23rd, Brad? I don't know. <laughs> okay, well, then I'll just pick one. Calendar. If, if we did the 23rd, I could guarantee time off to do it. All right, 23rd it is. Okay. Done. Decision made. So send us your list for your favorite films of 2010. We'll be doing Film Explosion 2010 on the October 23rd. Um, next week, we will pick something. Um, I'm going to see Kajillionaire. I don't know if you guys are going to see Kajillionaire. Um, I'm curious about Kajillionaire. I might go check it out. I don't know what that is. Um, yeah. I'm guessing it's a movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, it looks really weird. Um, it is a motion picture for sure. <laughs> yes, it is a is film. It in the theaters? It's new. Is it's it... in theaters, and I haven't seen it on the Regal app. No, I think it's. Uh, is it it's only at Alamo and and Landmark and Landmark? Mm. So, um, well, we'll see. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Or, or you know, if we did go retro. I'm sure we could find a, a scary movie. I just want to keep pitching that. It would be fun. One of my favorite film explosions we did was the Spooktacular. I mean, we can always... I mean, I don't think there's any other new movies opening in October. We can always do a month of horror films. It's just going to be three weeks of black and white Universal Monsters pass. N- no. Well, no, no, no. Ryan, I, you say that, and The War with Grandpa is coming out October 9th. Oh, yeah. see, I didn't Ryan, even know that. Ryan, um, you wanted, you wanted as Dirty As Honest Thief with Liam Neeson and Jai Courtney. Give me back my thief! I don't think there's any other way to top what Brian just did there. (laughs) (laughs) Until next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day.